Hello and welcome to another episode of the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency. I would like to remind you all that we have just launched our print edition and I'd like to encourage you all to subscribe. You can do that by going to www.spectator.us forward slash subscribe uh, and there you can take advantage of our various offers. I'm joined today by Kate Andrews who is a new presence here at The Spectator. You are our economics correspondent and you are also an American helpfully. I am both of those things, Freddie. Happy to be here. Uh, well, great to have you here. And um, to, I think we're going to do a bit of a sort of wrap up of this week. Very good. Focusing on one topic because there's a lot going on. This week we had Trump signing the first phase of a trade deal with China. We had impeachment and Nancy Pelosi signing that several times. And then we've also got the Democratic race heating up as we head towards the 3rd of February in Iowa and the caucus is there. First of all, let's talk about the trade part. It's hard to say it's not good news for Trump, although perhaps a lot of sort of Team Trump are overhyping what a big deal it is. What are your thoughts? Well, if you compare what China was importing from the US in 2017 before the trade war started to now, it's still pretty good news. They've agreed to be buying over $200 billion worth of goods from the states over the next two years. And in 2017, they were at about $185 billion. So it's ticking up. Many people are saying that looking at the 86-page agreement, it's not nearly as comprehensive or in-depth as they were hoping it would be. But actually, you could argue that Trump has more or less gotten what he always wanted out of it, especially because China agreeing to invest more in U.S. agriculture, an area that Donald Trump is very passionate about protecting the farmers in the more rural areas. But also they're agreeing to making it slightly easier for the U.S. to sue and for companies to sue if IP Mm. uh, is being infringed upon, something the president also talks a lot about. So I think many trade experts might say that there are some big oversights here. But in terms of Donald Trump's talking points, I think he does have quite a bit to boast about. And I mean, as a keen free marketeer yourself, you know, you've presumably been quite sceptical about Trump's tendencies towards protectionism and so on. But he does seem to always end up uh, striking pretty convincing deals, or at least the first part of them, anyway. Sure. I've been very critical of the trade war. I'm not convinced at all that it was worth it for what he's gotten. And I think that had he been more cooperative with other countries like the UK and the rest of Europe that have been frustrated with China as well, in terms of dumping steel, in terms of its treatment of IP, uh, he probably could have been more successful. So I'm certainly not going to praise the president's tactics. I think it's been very dangerous for the global economy. I'm just pleased to see that for all the talk about, um, you know, China and the fact that they were becoming the trade enemy, clearly when he gets a bit of what he wants, he does do the right thing. And I'm very happy to see that, you know, trade is picking up because if trade isn't occurring between the US and China, you know, and those tensions bubble up, nothing good can come of that. It's funny how it never actually erupted into bigger hostilities, Mm. considering the stakes uh, I mean, I think perhaps that's down to a credit to China, perhaps. Or... I was I was thinking about that because for all of Trump's tweets, right, and painting China, as I said, as this, as this mass trade enemy, you know, they're both quite keen to be back trading, you know, being partners in that sense. And China's going to be investing a lot. It's going to be buying a lot of American products. And Trump, in return, has lowered the tariff on Chinese goods. Not all of them, by the way, but quite a lot of them from 15% to about 7.5. Some of those tariffs are, are staying in place, especially on, on more expensive goods. But yeah, I mean, 
they seem to be cooperating. So the question is, was it ever actually so bad between the two leaders? Um, You know, what was happening behind closed doors? What were those negotiations really like? And do you think, with your economist hat on, do you think this is a kind of a rebalancing of the global economy that really was necessary? I can see that you, you think there's a lot of damage that's been inflicted in the last few years. But also in the long term, America had to have a better trading relationship with China for, for there not to be sort of Chinese global domination for the Yes, I think a lot needs to be worked out and a lot still needs to be worked out. There's a reason that it's phase one. And again, I I think actually the president's ambitions were not necessarily to totally reset and restructure global trade, but rather for key areas that are also part of his key demographics when it comes to winning re-election to feel like they were getting a fair share. They were getting a good deal to use some of the president's language. So in that he has succeeded. I'm not totally convinced, um, admittedly not having read the full 86 pages that we're talking about a reset, but it's interesting to see countries like Australia very happy about this, they may actually experience a bit of economic harm because China may be buying less from countries like Australia because they'll be buying from the US. But globally, people are very pleased to see that balance return. And while this was happening, the Democrats were finally delivered the articles of impeachment and signed them. Trump likes to think that they do this on purpose to ruin his good moments, don't, mm. doesn't he? I mean, he thinks that they were deliberately trying to scupper his great coup with China, or at least that's what he puts about. What do you think? I mean, do you think, like me, that this is a great uh, self-defeating act by the Democrats? Uh, yes, I'm very inclined to agree with you, Freddie. I'm also not sure they signed the impeachment articles simply to scupper his moment. I think they've wanted to impeach him since day one. I mean, mm. truly since he got into office, which is why I think this may be self-defeating, because we were told for about two years by the Democrats and left-wing pundits that the Mueller investigation, looking into whether or not there was any collusion between Donald Trump and Russia during the 2016 general election, that that was going to be the investigation that you know highlighted that the president had acted illegally. He was going to be thrown out. America was going to see him for what he was. And of course, that did not happen. You know, there's nothing in there that would have led to the impeachment of the president. So they've been after him for a long time from this particular angle, right? Not criticizing him on policy, not even criticizing him as a person, but just wanting to get him impeached. And I think now that that, the Mueller investigation didn't work, they've angled for something else. That's not to say there isn't some credibility in questioning whether or not Donald Trump has been right in his relationships with the Ukrainian government to potentially, allegedly withhold money. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm team Trump in this one. But I think the Democrats have cried wolf on Trump so many times. A lot of the American public will just think, gosh, you know, how can we believe you this time around? Because you've been telling us that there's been illegal behavior going on for years now. And uh, it wasn't seen. Well, I saw a lot of Republicans yesterday were getting very cross. And I think they have a point about, you know, Nancy Pelosi sort of simultaneously saying what a somber occasion this is and how they're not triumphing in it. And then sort of snickering a bit and obviously having quite a fun time. I think it's weirder than that. I think that they sort of the Democrats almost know how stupid this impeachment is, but that it, it's almost sort of comic to them now. I think American politics overall has become a, become a little bit comic. Some people really enjoy that. A mm. lot of people enjoy the president's Twitter feed. A lot of people enjoy the ranting and raving. But a lot of Americans are also very tired. And uh, I think that also speaks to these Democratic primaries. About It's not just about the candidates' policy on health care or housing or identity politics. I think those things matter a lot. I think a lot of this also comes down to who's just going to be a bit of a break, a bit of a deep yeah. breath. Because I think the Democrats are tired 
from from their antics. I think I hope the Republicans are tired as well. I mean, the president, whether you love him or loathe him, is fairly exhausting to keep up with. Yes. And, so, and you know, this is relatively new to our politics, actually, unlike in the UK, where the prime minister has to get up at prime minister's questions every Wednesday and address the opposition parties and address the public. The American president doesn't have to do that. We see and engage less with the American president than the Brits do with their prime minister. So, I mean, this constant bombardment of information and commentary and the rest from both sides isn't something we're totally used to. And you often hear about sort of Trump and the reality TV presidency. I suppose what I'm getting at with Pelosi is that it's sort of the Democrats are doing their own reality TV show as well. Yeah. And it's it's kind of they're both trolling each other. They're playing sort of uh, meme games, really, with each other. And I mean, is, I wonder how Americans feel about this generally, or are they less engaged with it than we are as as journalists. No, I think you're absolutely right, Freddie. And I think that maybe the Democrats think that this is a smart thing to do in a election year because they want to be signaling to their base how much how much they, they loathe the president. And again, I'm sure with their base, people who are already going to vote Democrat, that's working. I mean, the number of Americans who just don't like Donald Trump is pretty high. But the number of Americans who love Donald Trump, for better or for worse, you could say anything about him, they'll still vote for him, are also there and they're counterbalancing each other. So the question is, how are those independent or maybe even slightly right-leaning conservatives, those women in suburbia watching the Democrats impeach Trump, watching now the Republicans next week start going into those hearings. The, the Senate was, was sworn in today as jurors as this trial actually starts to play out in the Senate. How are they watching this? How are they viewing this? Are they tuning out? Are they interested? And I go back to my point about fatigue. I think it's, I think it's very real. And also the, uh, the Democrats seem to want to get it out the way before the Democratic primary begins in earnest. Um, but they, they seem to have lost that because we really are getting pretty close to the Democratic primary. And in terms of the news, that's going to start dominating the agenda quite soon. And let's not forget that the accusations against Donald Trump include the front runner of the Democratic race well, so far, Joe Biden, yes, former pre- for vice president Joe Extraordinarily. Biden. I mean, we talk about how it doesn't really hurt, impeachment doesn't really hurt Trump, but also the obvious corruption of Biden, I think I can say that, it doesn't seem to affect him either. I mean, the, the polls have not really, he has gone down in the polls, but it doesn't seem to be connected to impeachment and and his obviously dodgy relations with his son and Ukraine. There may well be a smoking gun that's revealed in this trial. We don't know yet. But my suspicion is that it's going to be more of the same, that the American people you know, do suspect, whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats, that some shady talks and shady things happen at you know the highest level of politics. And Joe Biden is brought into that as much as Donald Trump is. You know, the accusations against him and his, his son Hunter are not yet to be proven. However, people just feel like they're all the same. You know, they're all the worst version of each other, really. And you're right, Freddie, it doesn't seem to particularly hurt Joe Biden yet, although the attention on it, you know, in the media 24-7 over the next month will not be helpful. This is, you know, complete speculation, but you do also have to wonder to what extent certain sections of the Democratic Party will actually be happy about that. Mm. They don't like Joe Biden. They want a further left, more socialist candidate to beat Joe Biden. So tactically speaking, it's good for some Democrats and it's bad for others. I think my theory is that's the only thing that sustains Biden in the polls is that he isn't, you know, woke, for want of a better mm-hmm. word. And he's not, he's not, even when he tries to do identity politics and things like that, he's just hopeless at it. And he <laughs> sounds quite gaga. And people find that refreshing. Yes. And it actually means it helps him with this kind of regular Joe image that he has, which he has sustained, despite being a career politician with quite a checkered past. 
Absolutely. And I think if we look to the Iowa caucus, which will be uh, the first indicator in the Democratic primaries about where things are going, we've seen people like Bernie Sanders polling very well in Iowa. We even saw Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, spike up in the polls. And actually, he's still doing relatively well. But polls this week, for the first time in a little while, I think, put Joe Biden ahead in Iowa. And I think a lot of that speaks to the fact that, you know, he he can relate to a lot of those working class, more rural communities that Donald Trump also appeals to. And if he's doing well in Iowa, he's going to do very, very well down south, where a lot of traditional Obama voters are certainly going to show up because they associate Joe Biden with Barack Um, Obama. And they're quite happy to do that. And he's economically, he is where middle America is. I think, you know, he's he's a, he's not a socialist like Bernie Sanders. He's um, He lobbied on behalf of the credit card industry, <laughs> um, yeah. which again, doesn't necessarily endear him to people. But he, I mean, he's sort of safer on that front, I think, as, as a Democratic candidate. I think he's closer to middle America. I mean, you raise a very profound question that we could spend hours talking about. Where is middle America right now? And I, I'm not totally sure. I think that middle America probably does lean towards some of his welfare stances about, you know, really protecting those who who just need a bit bit help. You know, their bills are stacking up. They're working very hard. They just can't get by. But also with the success of Donald Trump, you have to wonder how middle America is, is, is changing and what they really think. I think what's pretty certain, though, is that America overall is not as far left as the left in the Democratic Party wish they would be. Actually, a lot of the appeal of Bernie Sanders comes from things he says that relate more to Donald Trump than it does to, say, AOC. And so somebody like Joe Biden, I still think, is their best bet to beat Donald Trump. But, you know, a lot of people in, in the upper levels of the Democratic Party struggle with that. They wanted a woman to run against Donald Trump. They wanted somebody slightly younger. And they wanted somebody who could be new and refreshing. And as you say, for better or for worse, Joe Biden comes with a lot of baggage. And I think, I mean, a large number of them, uh, if they do want a more left-wing candidate, Bernie appeals because he's authentic Mm. and he seems to be very real and committed to his principles, whereas it seems like Warren has slightly lost her moment. I saw, you know, latest national poll show, she's on 12 and Bernie's on 20. Mm. And she seems to have fallen away, rather, and there was this rather desperate attempt to call Bernie sexist this week. Uh, or to smear him as a sexist because he allegedly said to Elizabeth Warren that she couldn't be president when they were meeting. And, I mean, it seems to me like she is trying to play a sort of Hillary Clinton-type politics that the Democrats or Democratic voters don't seem to want anymore. Yeah, I think a lot of that's right. I mean, if we look at Bernie Sanders, he certainly is authentic. I think he really does genuinely believe that bread lines are a good thing, (laughs) Um, as as he said before. But yeah, I think he means it. Whereas Elizabeth Warren is this very strange hybrid where if you look at her track record, I mean, she has gone through phases of being very capitalist, relatively pro-market. She and her daughter wrote a book that basically advocated for universal school choice. And now she's trying to paint herself as, you know, sort of Bernie Bernie Sanders light or maybe even Bernie Sanders moderate. And I think that, that hasn't really worked on either side for, for the progressives and also for the moderates. And I also agree about your comparison to Hillary Clinton. I've thought for a while that she would be the worst candidate to put up against Donald Trump because, like Hillary Clinton, she has a lot of baggage. But I'm also not sure that she's as politically talented. Yeah. Well, I wrote a piece about Bernie. I wrote a piece uh, a while ago. Uh, when he announced his candidacy this time, uh, and it was called Bernie's Got This. Anyway, an American rang me up to tell me I didn't know what I was talking about. And I, <laughs> and I suffered from, uh, he called it, Corbyn derangement syndrome, uh, because I just thought that there was this sort of left-wing populism that doesn't really exist. And he may have been right. However, I still think Bernie has a very, very good chance 
of winning the nomination. Uh, and I'm going to say that I think he's going to win Iowa, even though the latest polls show Biden ahead. What do you think? I think it's between Biden and Sanders for Iowa, definitely. I think that if anybody goes head to head with Joe Biden, almost certainly will be Bernie Sanders. Just looking at those first states that vote, you also have New Hampshire, which is the second vote, which Bernie Sanders is going to win. So if Bernie Sanders, say, took Iowa and New Hampshire, I mean, all of the traction from the other campaigns, including Elizabeth Warren, drop. And then you have your populist candidate versus your centrist candidate. And Bernie may well be successful there. He he may gain traction. And that would be a really interesting debate, actually, sort of the socialist left versus the centrist left. I still think Joe Biden's got best shot at this. And I think a lot of the voters that just didn't bother to show up for Hillary Clinton and weren't that engaged in 2016 will be re-engaged because they like the idea that he was connected to the Obama administration. And they may well have been looking at the past three years thinking something's got to be done about this. And that's a very similar reason I think Biden will win Biden has a very good shot at winning anyway in in a general election. I think between him and Donald Trump, it's a toss up. It's a real toss up. And you can't, I mean, one of Biden's great advantages in this race, it seems to be very popular with black voters, mm-hmm. uh, whereas Bernie has traditionally struggled with them. Mm-hmm. And certainly other candidates don't seem to appeal to him at all. But Buttigieg famously 0% mm-hmm. among black voters. I mean, that would suggest that later in the race, Biden will be stronger because it seems to be the state's in the South that have... Oh, absolutely. And not even, not even that much later on. I mean, by Super Tuesday, March 3rd, you're yeah. going to start to see a lot of those Southern states voting. And I completely agree. I think Biden will be uh, successful there. But uh, I think the, the funny thing about this is that, you know, the Iowa caucus is two weeks away. And yet I do still feel with impeachment looming, particularly for Joe Biden, how his name is treated in the press and how people associate him very much could change. And he's had a lot of slip-ups. He's having a tough time out on the campaign trail. He is not as savvy as he once was. And frankly, I think I'm being very generous because I'm not sure I'd ever use the word to describe that word to describe Joe Biden before. Maybe, though, that does speak to the fact that there just isn't this appetite for, for the far left that people thought there was. If somebody like Joe Biden can be doing as well as he is, you know... With all his inadequacies. Exactly. Maybe the support for the Sanders and the Warrens was never as strong as they thought. But then that means that the Democrats are going, whatever happens, the Democrats are going to end up with a candidate they're not particularly happy with. Perhaps that was inevitable. I mean, also, let's think about who they were happy with. They were really happy with Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. right? And granted, they were also very happy with Barack Obama, who was successful. But they, you know, they were so thrilled to hold up Hillary Clinton as the new progressive era, not just an extension of the Obama years, but something new, something brilliant and how wrong they were. So maybe what they're happy with isn't actually what they need to win the nation with. Well, it'll be very interesting to see. And uh, thank you for coming. This is not your first Americana, but it's your first Americana as a spectator. And I'm happy to be journalist. here. I'm sorry you have to see me every day, Freddie. Well, we'll have to do it more often. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite. Thank you.